The Sample Axis, administered by Boyga and Nelson. Wagwan, I go by the name L-O-I-C-O-N, and you're listening yeah, to the Sample that. Axis podcast. Stay tuned. Nelson, I was, Thank you so much. I was going to go all academic and stuff, and Nelson said, no, let's just relax, and he's an Egbonda, he's also a freestyle person, so let's freestyle and have a conversation as brothers as yeah, to a brother, yes, brother. so it's going to be pretty much that so 1979 um nigeria america wherever whatever we, ni- 1977 by the way we did first act we spoke with daily adinyonju and we were able to do oh, some, wow. a little unpacking a little throwback and you know the essence of first act and I'm, mm. I think we're just going to get your views on some of these as part of the conversation too. So just straight off, um, no introduction. This is the Sample Axis episode 79. We're happy to welcome gotcha. the Jide Taiwo, music on also historian by all standards. So welcome again to the podcast. Oh, please. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm, I'm happy to, to chat with you. And you guys are doing important work, to be honest. And, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the work that you guys are putting in. By and large, it's 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 largely a thankless job because these are things that right. you're interested in and you're investing your time and resources in. However, okay. when people are making history, you know, these are the type of things that they tend to do. You know, it's not just us. It's the people that will come after us. It's the people that are contemporaries that are involved in other things. It's our culture. You know, it's our history as a people. So, you know, salute to you guys. Salute. Thank you so much. These are very, very kind words and high praise too. And it's, it's the truth. It's, it's a thankless yeah. job, but you must do it because it's, it's also destiny. And it's also for the yeah. next generation. So you cannot not do it. So we appreciate those words. So let's get it off. Me, I will start with what's happening in the industry right now. Just uh, we hope. Yeah. I hope you have one and a half hours though. No, I got you. I got you. All right. Thank you so much. So Ashake dropped an album. Shantizu is trying to make a comeback. One day may have failed to make a comeback. What what are you seeing in the industry right now? Afrobeat right now. So um, not to be the old guy in the room because I'm 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 Gen Z as well. But you know that thing ah. about music. That... <laughs> <laughs> yes, no. <laughs> you know that thing that you tend to listen more frequently to music that kind of made you the music of your own times, the music of your coming out. So I listen to a lot of old stuff, right? However, in the last, um, since pandemic, right, there's been a a buzz, for lack of a better word, that we had not seen since 2004 or thereabout now. So that's when you find out. And I think, you know, it had something to do with the pandemic. Everybody was locked up and you couldn't bullshit your way for, Oh, can I curse? I'm sorry. I say bullshit a lot. You couldn't bullshit your way for too long. So you had to have actual talent, which I think is what's responsible for the... Again, I don't want to be academic, so... But you know, there's like an eruption of new stars. Even the guys that have been there longer have been upping their game. So for me, what I'm seeing now is we are coming to a realization that at one for you to actually make it in the music you've got to have talent right my my thinking for a long period of time and then you can see it in you know how we have dozens of artists that say the same thing you could put anybody on any afrobeat instrumental 
and it passes for yeah it's a hit it's a hit is a hit you know but i think that's not enough now so people have to have actual talent and then that talent itself it's not enough you've got to have great grind and hopefully some some level of luck you know some level of luck and good fortune so what i'm seeing is that there's there's sort of like a confluence of all of these things and you find guys that have mad talent that are not just resting ashake has mad talent right but you see that is not and he's made mad money if you want to talk numbers like that i don't like pocket watching but he's made a lot of money since there's a boss on the scene however it's not it's not waiting or pausing for anybody else it's keeping it grind up and that's where you know i just finished listening to the album i think it's a solid body of work i have you know maybe a couple of things that i will have probably switched off but who changes a winning formula right is right. become easily the artist thing doing the mm. same thing so who's to say that that's not working for him so um, i'm really excited i feel like i'm 20 again because you know i, I remember yeah. 2004 and you, you know it was, it was sort sort of like a new dawn yes there was the 1999 2000 era but 2000 itself and 2000 2004 i think for many of us it's kind of like the hip-hop 1998 mm. because 1998 had a shitload of you know dope records out dope artists everybody had madness going on that's mm. the yeah yeah definitely. Was in in 2004 you know the combination of new money in the music business people are finding mm. ways to do it for cheaper you know mm. i feel like that now again yeah. because you find yeah. out that there's just a shitload of talent that is out people are taking things that you will probably have not paid attention to they are just expanding the sound and they are doing a lot of magic with it you and know so i'm excited an enabler too the internet so, is enabling everybody so that's what's happening in this generation right in 2004 damn near 20 years ago the technology was different but it was there mm. do you get mm. what i mean now the technology has flipped everything on its head now so mm. the technology is insane the the business is getting better people can see that if i put money on this guy and we do a b c and d we are guaranteed oh, yeah. this return mm. or if we as empire we are coming into nigeria and west africa and we are bringing money we are only going to need one ashake mm. and maybe a fire boy and mm. we can recoup that investment made on everybody else so it's mm. it's, it's almost like we're it's it's you know that california gold rush I feel yeah like we are, yeah we are, we are getting to that point we are almost there but it's 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 happening and we are seeing it real time the theme question so is it harder for the ogs to try to make a comeback when i say ogs now i'm talking the people who were outside 10 years ago they're not really ogs one day shantizu the victonies of this world are easily cracking it but the mm. i don't know is there a real change in 10 15 years now so me as jitaro hmm. i'm not a big fan of the word comeback or the idea behind it hmm. because what hmm. it says to me is that you've lost it for a minute and you're just hmm. trying to catch up now people will have different parts in life right hmm. some people are going to be on the up and up and then some people will have dips and then some people will just maintain that steady momentum right. all through 
but again because i'm such a big fan of hip-hop and i'm seeing that guys that i grew up on are just in their 40s and 50s apart from them krs1 and then maybe dre of recent i just turned 60. everybody else all of the guys that were making the golden era of hip-hop are maximum in their 50s right and one thing they say a lot is that no so for example nori nori was born i think 77 because it says it a lot so nori is say 45 right hmm. and nori says it like and nori has not make a hit record in in forever right yeah but it says all the time that it's only hip-hop that requires you to be fresh and cutting edge every time other genres don't necessarily demand it of their stars do you get what i mean hmm. so hmm. do we need a comeback that will put you in the same commercial space as the guys that are doing it now also rem remember that music is is and not to be ageist or anything it's it's you're probably going to appeal to the people that you're in the same era with do you get what i mean right. so if you see right. the victoni and all of the rest of them they're in a particular you know age group you are not going to make a comeback and fit into that space do you know what I mean? So yeah. yes, yeah. I, I I acknowledge that people might have been gone for long and they are returning to the music. I think that they shouldn't bother themselves or burden themselves with the task of making that same level of hit with the guys that are here now. Who says you can't do a greatest hit album? Do you know what I mean? You find people like Aerosmith, like Kiss, like Queen, all of these rock and roll and rock stars sing the yeah, same AC songs. Do you understand? They have Vegas residencies, but they are not competing with the guys that are selling like right now. So I think that's something that I feel like the OGs need to look into. When they call, okay. nobody's denying one day's talent, you know. But one day of 2003 is definitely not one day from 2006. And you can tell. So it will be it will be difficult from one day even from a physical standpoint you can only do so much when you're mid-30s and you're you know 36 37 <laughs> or thereabout do you understand so if they're not burdened by the need to play in this space like right now and just do it at their own pace i can do i don't need to do a twenty thousand, you know capacity i can do four five hundred i can do that 15 times a year you know and i can keep going and i think it helps yeah what you have said right now is what i've been thinking about for a very long time i think i had this conversation with Boyga as well that all of these artists that we know that have been around for a while they just need to look for a new way to actually get into the system there's no need for you to try and catch up with what is happening at the moment these guys are on a different level they are going at a different pace everything is changing and it's okay for you mm -hmm. to just be that guy that Okay, you know, when they hear your voice, they know this is the golden voice. And we go back to jamming songs on a low. So, I mean, right now, a lot of people are saying, one well, this album is not what it should be. But somebody like me, that I love to listen to old school stuff. Mm -hmm. And I know one day as it is, I would go and play songs back to back, jamming right. on my own. I don't need to shout right. about it that, oh, yeah, I'm not feeling the album because I'm trying to be in the now crowd and just follow them mm -hmm. soon. But I like, I like where we're headed. And that's why I would like for us to now, you know, get straight into yeah. it and talk about this year that we're talking in particular. So 1979, great year yeah. for music. Crazy time, really, because anytime I'm talking about 79, I always talk about the fact that 
that was the year that caused his paradigm shift in music. I always think right. of the 60s as solid time for music. 70s was crazy. I mean, there was psychedelic rock, there was pop, there mm. was disco, shutting down everywhere. And then getting towards the end of the decade, that's 79, we got, you know, disco rounding up its era with people like mm. Sheik and Fiji's not having enough to put out anymore. I mean, that was the last year for them. And then we mm. have people like Michael Jackson working with his first album, him and mm. Quincy Jones for Epic, Rep Epic Records, Led Zeppelin still killing it, Pink Floyd getting 30 million in a year. Mm. And then in Nigeria, it felt like, you know, something about something was happening too because we had the juju, we had the different Yoruba sounds, but it felt like Fuji as a thing was popping. I really want you to, you know, with your own, from your own perspective, that right. year really just let's let's start off with the year and then we'll kick it off from there so the, the thing about music and and culture and 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 things of this nature is that you cannot divorce it from the from the times that we're living in so i had not thought of 79 as that landmark here until you know boiga and i spoke about it briefly i'm like oh really you are onto something so you have to remember that fuji started in you know barely 10 years from that 79 period you know was was barista with his inspirations and with his own invention you know developed this new sound and 79 was just him i think three years removed from when he left the army do you know what i mean so you had a guy that was making music part-time but was doing you know pretty well and then it got to a point like Nah, I can't do this anymore. I have to face the music squarely. And he did that in 76. Fast forward to 79, you already had a, a generation that was kind of blighted by, by the civil war and everything that happened after it. And they were heading to a democracy. Do you get I me? Mean? So the civil war was 67 to 70. And then yeah. the military government, successive military governments went on. Um, yes, the, the 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 war itself was bad. Things happened during the war, but those things didn't stop happen after the war officially ended. There was still this mutual mistrust, which still exists till, till date. There was yeah. people that were, you know, impoverished by by the war. There people that lost everything that got maybe twenty or thirty pounds after the war ended. You had people on this side too that you know whose life changed drastically my grandfather lived in the north right and he never fully recovered his yoruba moved to the north in i think the 1930s or thereabouts because he just left but he didn't fully recover from the effects of the war because he saw first time what was happening in places that he lived right so you had this generation of people that were now you know seemingly doing better right so the Udoji movement that was a governor, Udoji that increased workers' wages, you know, students yeah. got loans and students got grants and all whatnot. So people were sort of in a better space in their lives, right? You could work, you could earn relatively well, food was cheap. And then you now had that movement of, oh, we are heading back to democracy in 79. So the way they, the music itself, was you know this the music of that time kind of embodied that era so people were more 
were more happy, so to speak. And you could see that in, you know, their lifestyle. Fuji itself had now gone from something that an Hopstart was doing to something that was valuable to do. So, of course, Barista was leading the park. But Collinson wasn't far off either. Other related genres, like Akpala, was doing fantastic well. Um, Aruna Oshalad sold 5 million copies of, what's it called now? Social Club. Yeah, he had done 5 million copies of that. Um, Salawa was doing well by herself. You know, so you had all of these things. What you now find is that by that 1979, they were traveling quite a lot, right? And when I was looking at the notes, I know that that year was when um, Barista did, I think he had about four or five albums that year, that one year. He had, but what I stood out for me was London Special. So you well, had a guy well, that three years before then was answering uh, Shonsa, Shonsa, Shonsa. But yeah. by 79, he had been successful enough to be traveling across the world. And it's really striking for me because if you take it back to to hip hop itself, seventy nine was when uh, Sugar Hill Gang, right? Yeah, Silver Robin. Did rappers Light. Yeah, Silver Robin's production. Yeah. Do you get? It was at that and also, time. And also, band yes, as well, I don't know whether yeah, Fatback Band. I was, I just, I was going to actually use that level to just enter that hip hop. Like, I want us to go back and forth. If we can go to hip hop and then come back to Nigeria mm -hmm. like that. So in 79, as you said, you know, yeah. Sylvia Robinson found out about the Sugar Hill Gang. They did their stuff. Although, you know, the first hip hop record, a lot of people give that fatback band, King mm -hmm. Thomas III in 79. Mm -hmm. But right. because of the push that, uh, you know, um, Sylvia Robinson had at the time with Sugar Hill Band, it became a big deal. And that, that kind of took off for them. But mm -hmm. also, so I don't know what I thought, but you know that song that he did, he got a hip hop, the hip, like you know that Sugar Hill song was actually a sample of Chic. Mm. Was actually right. a sample of Chic, Good Times, that was released in '79 as well from the Risk mm. album. Right. So there was a lot of you know you know interpolation and sampling, right. and it felt like they started that madness from the time. Mm. So I want you to go on from there, please. Oh yeah. So I mean, if 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 um, hip hop again kind of like fuji was sizzling on the ground but we now found this um for more more or less became the face of the imagined genre and that's sugar hill gang to be honest because you know um that record was so successful that you know it was regarded as the first commercially successful hip-hop song you know so you find out that something that for a lot of people were just hanging out in the park just kicking a verse and just doing all of these things we're now transitioning into oh shit we can actually make money from this a lot of people like this sound and then that means we can parlay it into concerts and all whatnot so it's 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 really a very pivotal year for hip-hop i'm looking at it now i think that was also the year that Curtis blow had is um um, he had one song that was really popular, Christmas Rapping. I think I put it on my yeah, Instagram yeah. last Christmas yeah, was, and all yeah. that. Yeah. You know, so, so when, and for, and I, I think it is for most people, they come out of the blocks just trying to find 
outlet for for expression you know so most people start making music because they felt like yeah i can do this not necessarily looking at it from a business end you always need somebody to come in right to say oh this thing that you're doing we can do it this way we can do it this way and then we can make it into this level of success but for most people they start out by just kicking a verse and having fun but at the time that they're not making that transition into making business so that's when all of these other things now need to come in do we do this one style do we interpolate more successful you know records from other genres how do we ensure that we have the largest share of mind when people listen to it so it's all of these things that go you know kind of back and forth and you know it's it's the same for fuji itself 79 was when secret anybody started fuji's fuji reggae johnson you have to you have to remember that there was just a shitload of music in the 70s even people that yeah. didn't have that didn't have civil wars it was off the the decade of so the 60s was a very volatile decade all across the world you know the 60s was when malcolm x martin luther king gfk rfk you know medgar evers that's when all of these people were killed do you know what i mean so it was a really yeah. volatile era there was a peace movement that people were you know doing all of those things there was the free love era but the 70s was a beautiful time for the music because all of these people were maturing mm. uh there was not a lot of struggle you know so the 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 civil rights movement in um, in america too had gotten to a certain level yes they wanted more but they had changed from where they were coming from that um you know those jim crow laws were a little bit relaxed and they could do more yeah, you know yeah. schools were now integrated so you find out that people were were very expressive even for folks like like bob Mali, that the ethos of his music is kind of like struggle and black identity and all of what but his own reggae he wasn't scar anymore you know it was more robust it was signed to global record labels they were making yeah. commercially successful music so all of these things were crisscrossing all over the place and it was really important for artists you know like hip-hop pioneers and fuji musicians to understand that we are not the sole people in this stratosphere there are lots of people all over the place a lot of cultures are merging so how how are we going to use that inspiration that we might hear in a record walking on the streets of london how do i infuse it into my music as you work guy that i'm excited to be experiencing this new world so you have that miss um merging and you know cross pollination of cultures and i think that's one of the reasons that that year was was really um spectacular for music so so i'm going to speak a little bit now on a cross cross pollination if uh, if that's the perfect right. word i guess um uh, fuji garbage and the rest of the look at the titling uh, barista for instance fuji reggae fuji delight mm. you can tell mm. that he was influenced by other cultures or as an educated barista that he was decorated man right he always showed in fact in his commentary in his political commentary you would how much of external influence did he get and how did he get them is it through the music is it media 
did you travel a lot like you said they were on the road and i want to trace it down to the rest of the fuji artists that came after wasil would go on to do shows in europe and everywhere you would hear yeah. the commentaries and you will hear it from pasuma too african puff daddy and you will hear akon samples yeah. from pasuma you would hear saido shupa so how do we cross pollinate really how has fuji incorporated sounds from the other side so to speak so um another so i have plenty of theories that i've not tested but having listened to all of this music and spoken to a few people i can deduce a few things do you know what i mean so a random example there was a day that i saw a video i think it was some stage play that was being produced and it had um kemia kindoju in it and it also had taiwa jailaise right and in that two minute video it was so striking their speech patterns taiwa jailaise spoke in very crisp you know british queen's english Kemi spoke in sort of a relaxed American style speech pattern. And it struck me that this is, this pretty much exemplifies the eras that these folks come from. So Tawajai was raised by the BBC. And if you listen to folks from that era, if you listen to shit, listen to Tafa Balewa, you know, do you understand? They speak in that that crisp queen's english cadence so for a lot of people the uk was the ultimate right so and the pipeline was easy nigeria was a british colony you know we could travel back and forth i remember that when my father went to study in the us in in the 70s people were like they are going to the us to study are, are they really studying there what are they doing what are they doing because this is the era of people that went to the my grandfather went to the uk and his son wanted to go to the us so they looked at it kind of like what are these guys doing right so even for the americans themselves they knew that in order to also compete with the british empire they've got to do a lot of cultural exchange so i think that started in the 60s it peaked in the 70s right and then you find people like namdi azikwe who also went to the US to study at some point, you know. So that's American, and that's that's when they started talking about the American dream. Even for they themselves, you know, the American dream was popularized in the 60s and the 70s, so that you know they sold it and the rest of the world bought into it. That American dream is an intangible, but you know it. There's that freedom, there's that um pizzazz, there's that zest with life that america promises and it's sort of influenced the entire world so while you know um british movies and you know were sort of like on the on the conservative side right america was investing in a lot of action flicks and even when the kung fu era was you know doing what it was doing in china america embraced it you will be forgiven for thinking that all of these kung fu masters were americans because american studios were investing in them doing voiceovers and spreading this across the us so that will definitely trickle down to us in nigeria because we were no longer under british rule right and the world was there for us to explore so the exposure to media did its part 
the return of American trained students, you know, did that. The continuous um, export of young Nigerians to the US also did that. And, you know, the Nigerian economy was good at the time. So, you know that if you have a hundred naira, that means a hundred and twenty dollars, right? I had uncles that went to America around, you know, that seventy nine eighty, and they were balling, right? Because we were good. Do you know what I mean? So that and that's just the U.S. The U.K. is still there. You know, they were our big brothers. We we're always going to the U.K. People were finding their ways. Also, Russia and 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 Germany and no, not even Germany because Germany was dealing with a bunch of stuff around that time. But the USSR was huge, you know, and they were training people because they too wanted to spread their own um, system of government, communism and all of whatnot. And you find out that they got a lot of people from Africa because we are plenty. Russia is big. We had a very young population that Russia could train. And yes, there was a lot of Russian trained Nigerians. So the world was there for us, you know, to take. And that's and the thing about Nigerians is whenever we travel, we take our music with us. We take our culture with us. I know a lot of people do it across the world, but it's like Nigerians do it on steroids. There's that intangible pride of being Nigerian, and you want everybody to know it. Even these days that people... Say again? You must feel us. Then we'll go feel it. Like then we'll feel it. Do you understand? So is that is that that sense of pride that sometimes rub off on people the wrong way because we are loud we are brash we are all of that hmm. they have to feel it when we travel and we travel a lot there are there are people that are i think almost ancestrally predisposed to traveling the Igbo people of southeast nigeria are a traveling bunch they go all over the place the Yoruba people are travelers, you know, and you can find it even the houses all over the place. The people that found themselves in this geographical expression, you know, uh, with respect to the late chief Aulo, people that have found themselves in this place that we call Nigeria are predisposed to moving from one place to another and taking their culture with them. So once the people do that, it's inevitable that you know they are going to go there, they are going to find parallels between. Their new realities and where they are coming from, and the creative of them will find a way to merge the two. Nelson, I would crave your indulgence to go again before you go, uh, and I would, because there's a lot of questions, and our our guest is an OG, so there would be five okay. minutes and ten minutes of talk. So we allow that, but I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> I talk too much. I don't know. I, that's, I mean, you are you, you are you grew up in journalism. You have done. You have done the full circle, so it's only right. I and we know we know the disease. We have to talk. Talking is, uh, uh, is uh, a good is a good thing. I want to go to revolution music, um, the Lucky Dubes you mentioned, Marcos Garvey, mm. Martin Luther King, and the rest of them. Now, yes. Bob Marley was a revolutionary. He made music not for the money, but he still filled up stadiums. He filled up arenas in mm. at, uh, as of that mm. time. He's probably mm. the greatest of all time. One, no, either him or Michael Jackson, but. As we proceeded, we continued to see that music moved from um, content and revolution to what I would call pimp music and whatever it is now. Maybe it's soul to vibes to what's what's happening in hip-hop and popular music. Um, 
is mm. that by chance is that s- supposed to happen or some things have been lost in terms of the originality of the music the art form or anything in that line i don't know if you get, got my point so i don't think is is lost as much as evolved and i think it was obasanjo at some point that said you know the military military rule is no longer desirable in africa right so certain things fizzled out by themselves right and i make this joke a lot that reggae didn't have anything more to say once Nelson mandela was released from prison because it was sort of like the last representation of of mm. oppression and once that was resolved they didn't have anything more to say i you know, i say that in jest you know i say that in jest you know i don't i'm not too far from it but the fact yeah, that the evolution of music made it such that you don't need to um and i'm looking for a way to say it carefully and without it being so simplistic so on the one hand we take hip-hop for example hip-hop didn't start out to be revolutionary yeah it was right even ska music exactly exactly that's yeah that's it even ska didn't start out to be revolutionary but it just so happened that these guys were they were so conscious that they knew that they had a certain power and then they used their music which already had reach to discuss other things and that's where it became you know kind of like mainstream so it's not like a lot of things have been lost the struggles have changed right where people were saying "fuck the police and all of what the same decade that had nwa had beverly hills cop that sort of like you know told you that nah not all police are bad so for some people that reality changed right uh by the time dre did his the last album that he did um straight out of compton he was saying that that I, my house overlooks the city you know i'm just that, that realities changed and when that happens and you find out that so the 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 distance from struggling artist to commercially successful became shorter so you start out from the inner cities and then you have one hit record and then boom you've blown you don't have that same struggles the police treat you differently you don't you're not looking for food stamps or whatnot so the the, the struggles changed right they have bigger problems and you know it happened for a lot of people hip-hop became very commercially successful reggae but Mali had a lot of money unfortunately he died young right for the rest of them that didn't necessarily hit that commercial state the struggle wasn't the same so when you now trace it back down to now people's struggle is different a struggling artist will probably enter uber but then them two faces were trekking from Ujelegba to Allen. Yeah, you know what I mean, so, will come to mind for his, his time with Decker. There you go. Do you know what I mean? So you know your struggle is different, and you know the 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 persuasion to be alarmist in your music is no longer there, right? You have rich sponsors and patrons that can pay. What do you need? And once that struggle is 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 sorted out, it kind of like you know 
just gives birth to different evolutions of the music. So it's not like people don't have struggles now. Their struggles are different. But when you now compare it from generation to generation, you see that you guys now, we guys now, we don't have wala. We don't have we don't have problem. The things that are actual problems, we don't got it. You know. But again, on the, the other important part is that the music is a sociological tool. You know, a historical record of our times. So when when um, Belashmoda tells you ice on my wrist right it's telling you that we have a drug issue we have a drug issue that we are not addressing and when we look back we can pinpoint yeah. these periods and see what's been happening so 79 yeah uh, one of the things let me first start with this before i get into my question yeah. and my talks before you said something about you know all of these artists some of those artists of the time having great you know Mm. having a great way to talk a great way to communicate it sounded like the british they sounded like right. the brits they sounded like they're yeah, from the u.s well refined and I, i've been looking for where it went wrong in the whole niger setup because looking all the way back to like mr bassi and company i don't know whether i remember that tv series yes, like so. Was yeah. yeah so like 86 to 90 and you see all of these things from mr bassi to the landlady to everybody had like they sounded you know like they were from London, from somewhere, somewhere different. And when you tell people that that's old Nigeria, especially for the mm. youngins and the Gen Z yeah. like myself, you tell them that this is what old Nigeria used to sound like, they would probably say no, no. So when you hear somebody like Obi Oyo Ha from like 1981, enjoy your life, right? Right. You're like, you, you, you now begin to think, mm -hmm. was she trying to mimic them or was she just like them at mm. the time with, yeah. you know, a little bit of, Maybe Nigerianness. I don't know whether that's a word. Yes. I'm going to use it like that. Because yeah, enjoy your life or I want to feel your love. And you're like, okay, what exactly are we making up here? And then you listen to maybe somebody like Michael Jackson on Off the Wall and he sounds mm. a certain way. And then you listen mm. to somebody that just released the music in Nigeria. I'm mm -hmm. trying to think about somebody at the time. Maybe like the Lijaru sisters. Chris Okoti or Chris S. Igbokwe. Although Igbokwe still sounded, mm -hmm. she still sounded more Nigerian. But Chris, yeah, Chris Okoti, yeah. not more like, you understand? And then we hear it mm -hmm. also in the Fuji songs as well, because these mm -hmm. guys are sounding like, you know, mm -hmm. they, they, I mean, you see Barista, you, you get to some point, and it looks as if he's speaking for them. I know the mm -hmm. ones that I moved away. It's yeah. like, cut the breaks, um, these are the breaks. Mm -hmm. I, I need mm -hmm. to, like, maybe some clarity onto that for those of our for most of our listeners are listening what exactly was going on at the time was it that we were trying to we we're still trying to find our voice because i have a conspiracy theory that we did not find our voice deeply rooted in ourselves apart from akpala and the fuji mm -hmm. till 2004 mm -hmm. i know you probably want to you know correct me on mm -hmm. that but that's what i feel but what would you say about that time really though? so looking at it now i think it's a combination of many things one the presence of of international record labels here influence a lot of things, right? So you're not going to come and sound anyhow way when the guy that is your sound engineer is not Nigerian anyway. So there's there's like a standard that everybody had to kind of like maintain. So that will influence a lot of the recordings. Even if it's not in your lyrics, the recordings have to be a certain way. You've got to have that... Um, that robust sound that can translate well on wax 
do you get so that's one and you know the pipeline of all of this personnel from Decca to sony to all of them so even when they started their own indie labels they were still distributed by these bigger record companies so that kind of influenced the sound also in the 70s 60s 70s and 80s that that was our own speech patterns as well because remember that all of these guys were born under colonial rule you had to sound a certain way that was the only way it was when tv became more widespread that people started listening to other things like from the us and all whatnot but if you grew up in british nigeria chances are that you probably sound you know a certain way and you make that melody a certain way but you're also correct in that that sound that is uniquely nigerian had to come like a generation after because these were the generations that it was kind of like that 99 to 2004 era that was people that made themselves do you know what i mean there were people that so all of the record companies had gone yeah right even though basically introduction i think was introduction of Ashakasha or sony music by 98 everybody had gone i've actually killed everybody like <laughs> just had to yeah. up and leave it was that generation that were now feeling their way into the music business they were saying okay so how do we do this what what do we what do we sound like and after doing it for about five years you're absolutely correct about 2004 we started to have that uniquely nigerian sound and feel so much so that it was attracting younger millennials who were outside of so you had donjazi and debanj they're already living in the uk and because they also lived in that abacha babangida era you know yeah. our, our experiences were similar do you get what i mean so it was then that they started we started to find out what it meant to be nigerian that was not handed to us you know and in the context of the music it wasn't like it was handed to those old timers as well but they had it kind of like it wasn't easy but the structure was there you know that if you are signed to what's KSS record label him and abiro tyc take your choice african music you know mm. that abiro was an international businessman who was going to take you across the world right if you were singing yeah. for for mk abiola you know that your music is going to get on concord Airways. It's going to get everywhere that Concord newspaper gets to. By post abacha era, none of this shit was happening, right? I also have another theory that why we had so many bad journalists, and I say it respectfully, in that era, I'm telling you because all of the skill sets that was required for a journalist was were not necessarily important because we had a common enemy in abacha. So, if you could tell us why abacha was bad, and you tell us you could float a newspaper, you could do anything, and you know that people are going to listen to you because Abacha, that monster, is there. All of those other nuances and use of style and language were no longer as important because we had this major thing that we were dealing with. So in the context yeah. of the music, you know, we had to feel our way through from when 98 with them remedies and all whatnot, them Tertula, you know, all of those people they had to feel their way and by 2004 it was kind of like structured and codified so we had like a 
yeah, like a rough template of what music should be. It was a fusion of hip hop and R&B. And if you can put a little reggae in it, you can have a dance style. That's the formula to work. So you are not wrong. But again, it comes from having to have dealt through different decades of different things and influences. So I'm now going to ask about um, Fuji and hip hop. Are both mm. genres a young man's game? Fuji in Nigeria, hip hop in America. It feels like I should say that maybe the Sugar Hill Band and the rest of the people who started were probably in their 30s. Yeah. And then it progressed yeah. into the 90s when you found people like Naughty by Nature in their 20s possibly until it became trap music that 16-year-olds would make in their dorms. So has hip-hop progressively been a young man's game? And also in Nigeria, is Fuji because fuji from barista is different from fuji fuji in pasuma's era so is fuji relatable to all age ranges or or are both genres really um young men's stuff so i think because um so there are elements of it that are that have to be young there are elements of dance and choreography and the expression that has to be young um you young people you know create um life-changing moments and language so to speak so the slang you are not likely to find a 40 year old person that is just coming up with slang it's probably going to be a young person that's coming up with the slang and wherever youth culture plays you find out that it's it's major so youth culture drives the success of music by and large to be honest youth culture drives the success of music and you find out that most people come into the game early and then they age their way through so in that in that context yes it's a young person's game to come in early however because we are not going to kill ourselves it's not a crime to be get old you know for people that are religious it's a blessing matter of fact across all you know peoples it's a blessing to be able to grow and find you know that space that you have experienced that have shaped you all over the years so people are still going to need to listen to music where the problem is is when people are trying to force it you are not likely to and that's why you know young people are dismissive of old guys because you are still trying to be young my nigga. there's no need to cater to that um subsect of of the populace you don't need to and that's what I think. If you look at folks like Jay Z and Nas of recent, you know, the subject matter is subject matter of older people. That is not going to appeal to a young person anyway. Do you get what I mean? So that balance is important. I, it's 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 like sports, right? If you start playing sports, you're not going to pick up sports at 25, and you are going to be successful at it. It's, it's tough. They are going to need to be extra talented. I can't even think of maybe golf is the only, you know, sport that I can think of that you can start late and you still have that level of success. But for most sports, basketball, football, American football, tennis, you are going to need to start young. That does not mm. mean that you cannot have success, you know, at a certain age. So in that regard, you could say it's a young person's game. But it's something yeah. that you can age with and just embrace it. It's not a bad thing to 
to age. I remember one of the the last videos that um, Barista did, you know, one interview. I think I ran into it on Facebook or something, and he was saying that everybody is my no, it was him and Bio actually that everybody is his son. That even people that look at Obesere won't have. Yes, because Obesere's style is different. It doesn't mean that these old timers. I mean, Barista had about thirty kids. He was having a lot of sex. Let's just be honest. So if a guy is talking about sex, he's not doing anything out of the ordinary. But at the time that Barista was a six-year-old, was would be foolish to now expect him to be singing It's different. But you can also now, you know, develop sounds that cater to that audience that have grown up with you. Yeah, one more, one more. Now, Fuji and Juju, they meet somewhere at, at some point. I've heard a musician say he does jufuji so i'm looking for the balance between juju and fuji what year or at what point do they begin to uh come together that's one you see the trend of owambe musicians now they play juju with some elements of fuji uh and this question would tilt towards juju more did juju did they demystify or reduce the quality of the music with the um what's it called now proliferation of musicians playing Owambe yeah. music anybody can start a band and call themselves Owambe music and make AFLS music they will play even Ashake they will play Sonia nobody's composing music anymore in that area they just play music yeah. of people so uh do you see how Juju music deviated from King Sonia Day's legacy to what is in the streets now so the problem for me with Juju is that it did not evolve to embrace um, younger generations quickly enough. And I'll tell you what I mean. So even till now, if you want to look for Juju artists, you are going to think of KSA. KSA is in his means to late 70s now. It shouldn't be so. So Juju itself, by the composition of Juju, it took you know KSA to go to America and introduce new drums to it for it to be fast paced and all whatnot. Juju is likely to be mellow, right? And that's because Juju, I think, relied heavily on on guitars and bass drums, so to speak. Fuji was very fast paced and used a lot of talking drums. So you have Bata, not even Bata, you have Omele, you have Sakara, which you can credit to, you know, its influences from Akpala and Sakara and all the rest of them. So, whereas Fuji was always on the up and up, so you find out that the barista started with heavy Omele and all whatnot, right? With this um, um, bells, if you listen to all those songs that he made in the 1970s and like up until Okiagba and things, there was it was rhythmic and had bells in it and then by fuji garbage era he had introduced you know drum sets hawaiian guitars and all whatnot and by the time them um kwamo on two would blow kwama was making it kwama had a, a an album called fuji rapping in the 80s juju wasn't necessarily doing that at that time that kwama was doing was here in the barista at the time and I think was it was Barista was Barista in the Barista was doing Fuji rapping. KSA was still telling you I'm still the number one. Anybody that wants to be like me, 
Yes, we, we respect that. But that pipeline was not, we were not catering to young people. Those were songs of our fathers, not like Fuji was. Yes, Emperor Dili Abiodun and all the rest of them. All of them, eh, you know, they were under the shadow of KSC. You know, they just couldn't touch him. And that's why you see that when Shino Peters will have his break, Shino Peters has to deviate from the conventional juju because it was not good. I mean, he had been making music now. He had had his own band. He had been part of a group making that, you know, uh, that, um, what's his name of his, you know, that con uh, conventional juju. Until now put, and I think he says it a lot in his interviews now, that he had Absolutely. two people that gave him ideas on what to do. First was Barista. And Barista told him that you have to make it very fast. It has to be up-tempo for young people to be interested. And then Fela, who told him that he had to include a lot of pidgin English in his mm. in his in his sound. You know, Shinopita says that Juju wasn't as experimental in the 80s to 90s as as um fuji appeared to be if you listen to what barista was singing on on extravaganza or fantasia fuji you know these were cutting edge sounds that you cannot ignore at that time evangelist obey had become born again ksa was doing it but he was suffering from the shinopitas effect then Dele Abiodun couldn't get a word in edgewise. Olufa Jemiroku had one record and pretty much fizzled out. Um, Dele Taiwo, that was, you know, Shinopita Light, still had to deal with, you know, all of those things. So, I still see it today. Fuji is very experimental. And that's when you see people like them, Basuma Wanda, that will tell you, I'm African Puff Daddy. You know, you see Saido Shupa that came out sampling uh what was that song master blaster was sampling kid sweat that was really popular at the time you find you know all of these guys remia luko that tells you remia luko is you know from the streets and of the voice of the young people in the streets and the, you know so drew hasn't been like that and that's the effect of that's the effect that we're seeing these days uh, uh this is my this is my question is going back to 79 again let's go i was talking about a couple of uh, you know, artists that released albums in 79. Of course, Fela was around, so Fela released an album. Um, I think the name of the album was Unknown Soldier. Um, Steve Black as well, Village Boogie, Boys and Girls mm -hmm. by Joe Mox, um, Horizon Unlimited, Lejado mm -hmm. Sisters. And, and of course, from, from this few names that I've called, I think Chris Yesenokoko as well, she released that album, then I can't remember the name of the album. Mm -hmm. But one thing is evident, and it, it, it always bothers me. So I've always wanted to, you know, have a conversation about it. Uh, if you check the people that popped for the US and the UK in 79, Shake, mm. Pink Floyd, Led mm. Zeppelin, ACDC, Michael Jackson, a couple of other guys that popped then, they went on, even though there was that shift in the music sphere and everything that was done, right. they went on to do great stuff in the 80s. Mm. Even some of them were still top guys. I mean, Pink Floyd was still selling 30 million albums in the 80s. Right. Led Zeppelin was still buzzing in the 80s. Come on, Michael Jackson, 66 million, four years into the 80s. But look at the Nigerian yeah. sphere. It felt like only Fela and maybe Chris Yesenikukwe, because 
even the Lizardo sisters, with all due respect to the great yeah. stuff they did, it kind of felt like they were not there anymore in terms of the music. Mm. And they were the ones that started that change mm. in sound. Mm. So mm. what exactly happened? Was it that the pressure was too much? Because then, trust me, and I'm sure you know this, all due respect, because it, sorry, it doesn't sound like as if I'm insulting or I'm trying to talk less. Mm. Most of the acts that we got in the 80s, they fizzled out very fast. Mm -hmm. Coming, you know, go out. It was only the reggae guys that stuck around for a while, like the Raskimonos, Evietnam, yeah. mm -hmm. Goli, Ajak Fashet towards the end. You know, we had maybe the Mandators at some point, Peter mm -hmm. Sadoton. Guys right. just popped at specific times. It was like a time frame. And that's mm -hmm. where I came up with an idea of a time frame, even though Whiskey and David has broken that now, now that in the Nigerian sphere, you can't remember right. that. But they have broken that now. Right. What actually happened because yeah. that 79 is quite sad. Steve, you know, Joe Marks. Steve Black, we don't even, even for the fact that I take my time to go back. I wouldn't yeah. know these guys. What exactly yeah. happened? So, I think that sometimes people have the misfortune of coexisting with generational talent. I think the superstardom of Fela was just yeah. that dominant Too and much. powerful that nobody could have you know, Amphela is relentless. The music is good. The subject matter affects you. And then you have that. Have we seen Ashake now? <laughs> Do you understand? Do you understand? And then Felana had that crazy life that was tough of tabloids. They were picking him up every week. If you read the evening paper, it's Fela. Yeah, in the morning, it's Fela. So it was just so dominant that I think it was difficult, and because his, own, his, his music was peculiar to him anyway. So I think that that had you know something to do with the stars that coexisted at that time. They would try you, but you know when you think of Niger of Nigerian music, it's Fela that will stand out the most. And you know for again, Fela himself, you know, found his niche. And played the heck out of it, but for other people that were making pop music, you know, and popular music, you were singing disco, you were singing reggae, you were doing all of these things. You had other musicians to compete with. So not only are you fighting to get under out of the shadow of fella, you now have to fight with these guys. It's kind of like when when Real Madrid was the hottest thing for a very long time. All of you will beat yourself. But you now see you have to come and fight Real Madrid. And more often times than not, they win. Do you understand? So that I think had a, a you know a role to play with it. And the fact that this, this, there was just so many different sounds that was hard to 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 bring them all under one umbrella. We don't make the best reggae, even though we're influenced by reggae, right? True. We tried true. a lot of disco and pop. We didn't make the best of it. But Afrobeat was, you, you can't divorce it from Nigeria. You can't divorce it from Fela. So I think that's, that, that had a role to play in it. Let me just add this. So, so as to like, you know, I, I, was, say, I was saying something uh, before, before I wrapped up my last question about yeah. three years phase and the three to five years phase, which, which I kind mm. of saw like happen from the late 90s down to like, you know, mm. when we had the remedies like, at some point, uh, yeah. We had this. Um, I, um, these guys, is he um, Reverend Reverend the Reverend boys that did the Angba girls? Black um, 
preference. That, that, so we had, you know, uh, the Zule Zoos, and they mm. all, like, and then we had, the, you know, the, the boys from Ajegunle at some point as well. Mm. It felt like there was a, there was a, there was a term, that, that there was like mm. a short tenure that you could mm. use in the music sphere. You, you oh, can't yeah. use more than, for more than three to five years. I mean, even the mm. big man himself, and had to struggle, and mm. I'm sure he fought forces to be able to go past mm. that time. And mm. then the this kid and Davido come in, and you know they are they are here for a decade, mm. almost more. Mm. Now we're having a lot of shitload of music, like I have said. We have the Shea vibes. We have yeah. all these things are popping at the same time. Do you think we might we might go back to that time frame thing? I mean. The first evident example, and I know a lot of people might come for me at this, but I don't want the hate, but it's just the truth, is Nayamali. You understand? Are we going to have that kind of, you know, ish again, where we have artists spending three years, so we're saying maybe Omali might not go beyond five years, yeah. or might not go beyond three years. Right. So it's going to happen again. Or can we say boldly that Whiskey, Davido have broken that jingle? So um, I think people who last longer than that three to five year periods are actually outliers because statistically, even across the world, man, it's difficult for you to move past that five year period. Either because I know that most 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 record deals, you know, are like three to five year long. So around that five year mark, you have to deal with your label situation more often than not. You have to deal with a new influx of talent you have to do with a bunch of stuff so um you are going to find out that there'll be for every 10 there'll be like three or two that have that staying power even the top guys that we're talking about whiskey and david there was a period that i think it was because we were fortunate to live in an era that there's a lot of um financial resources for you to deal with the downtimes so people typically won't notice but i think in that 26 15 16 you know there was that deep that even they had and it took it took david Do walking out of his sunny deal i think for him to come back here and quickly restart and then not had he he found fire but prior to that time, he had that deep that if we were a lesser artist that didn't have the star power or the financial resolve, could have been it. Even with you know, for how long Whiskey couldn't release, you know, his album or do anything, he had that deep yeah. as well. You know, he had he had that deep, but again, because they are just outliers, you know, they can rally around and get it done. So what I think is that we are going to find out. We are going to find artists that can do seven years or thereabouts, but most of them, I think, will have that three, four year, five top at that high level. Hopefully, they will have done enough to have um, enough in the tank so that when that period comes, and again, take Olamide for example. Olamide had a, a dip. It wasn't like he wasn't commercially successful and he, he had you know personal problems that he was dealing with but he had that period that people would tell you ah if now let me do a era you know he had that period and luckily he's been he's been fortunate 
enough and is it fortune or good work the two of them to now find hard work and do you understand hard work and great yeah. and, and 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 good fortune to now find an artist that can make it all worth worthwhile you know so like i think it was ld that told me and i remember in 2012 and he said everybody has that five year each even from tv and radio presenters you have that five year period that there's a new hot kid that's coming up that you yeah. now have other problems to deal with and you know a combination of those things can momentarily knock people off the number one spot look at it in sports as well except for yeah. people like nobody's playing like lebron james right and right. he's been doing it for 20 years but that's lebron most people will have a solid five-year run in the nba draymond green has to make up for it with all of his antics we saw it in this postseason he wasn't doing much chris paul has been waived by the phoenix Suns. that's chris fucking paul Jonathan. yeah yeah so stuff, you know so that five year and for people that are married there's that seven year each that they talk about is real in real life you know i've known my wife now shit, 20 years this december because we went to school wow. together and ah. i met her first semester i met her first semester of school and we've been together ever since do you understand but we've been married now for what year are we in maybe that seven eight year period but even mm. that level of relationship i know the two of us work seriously you know into keeping it alive and that's like if it's like that's in real life imagine what it is like in in making mm. music and all whatnot in business you get me? right right so so i'm going to get back to fuji uh, as we try to wind down in 13 minutes um i would mm. like you to shout out to fuji legends or fuji practitioners that did not make it so big we may not know their names one that comes to mind is yoboro yobonsin uh i I'm, I'm forgetting his real name but that's that was a track that was major uh please help me get a list of the fuji people who should have made who we should know their names even though they did not you know make too much noise that's one on the flip side what's the future of the genre is fuji in safe hands uh i see that you are i believe that you're a part of fuji opera that is working to bring stakeholders together to platform and elevate the genre but what's the future of fuji in nigeria so uh, so um um there are lots of folks and to be honest i don't think is um i'm looking for so i think of them and i know that okay yeah maybe this person didn't get to what we'll have hoped but the fact that fuji is band based means that they can still do one or two gigs by themselves um easy sawaba of blazer memory easy sawaba was mad talent and you know even him before his death had spoken that he should be at the minimum at this point that k1 is if not you know above him but who is in control of that was so easy saba comes to mind um shina koni ogolorinwa fuji skopido comes to mind because they had that barista voice and the feel but something doesn't click um you know a bunch of them like that i'm thinking of um this guy that um, idon that died early 
you know, Sonny Tiadeshokon, you know, he, he too, I think, you know, would have done a lot more if, if things had gone um, rightly for him. A bunch of guys like that, you know. So, so those, those, when I think of them, I remember them fondly. And, you know, it's just, it's just tough, man, because it's, it's a tough world, man. Like Rugged Man said, I only God knows those who go eventually make them. You know, all of us right. can try and hope that even if that level of commercial acclaim and success doesn't come, the works that we've done, the works that they've done, you know, will be referred to in in yeah. in, in terms, you know, in respectful terms. And if you look at Izzy Sawaba, if you look at Shinakon, if you can, if you look at Sonny T, if you look at um, what was my guy's name, uh, Fuji Sandoka. Uh, I can't remember his name now. Fuji Sandoka, Omar Geri Geri. It was a barber before it blew. But if you look at all of those periods, if you look at even folks like younger folks like Shanko, like Waliji, like those guys like that, you know, you can you can see that they actually did well. Maybe things doesn't align properly at any one time. So that's on that. Uh, for the future of the genre, I I worry for the future of the genre. And I had this conversation a couple of days ago um, on another pod. I worry for the future of the genre in terms of the codification of it, so to speak. I worry for it in terms of the deliberate investment in in incubating younger talent, right? So if you think of Fuji now, you are going to think of all those older men, something that they started playing at nine years old. So where are the nine, ten-year-old kids that are coming out now. Where are the fifteen-year-olds that you can say, "Oh, I can send this guy to school and then give him three years, and we can make his first record." Where are they? So I worry for it in those in those terms. The music itself is always going to be here with us because it's street culture, it's Yoruba culture, it's contemporary culture. It's never going to end. And even when some artists, you know, kind of escape playing Fuji because it was going to be tough for them. And I'm looking at people like Nice. Nice was on the Tej Baby Face show, you know, a long time ago and said that he actually sang Fuji. But it was going to be difficult now before he started making Nigeri pop that we call it, you know, back then. Or you look at Esheyi vibes. You can tell that this boy sings Fuji now. But Fuji as a music business has not been able to retain that fresh edge. And that's why most people will just switch to Afrobeats or Afrofusion or Afro Aladra or whatever it is. But you can tell that they are Fuji at their core. So the music itself is going to exist forever. So that it doesn't become something that people don't want to associate with is why, you know, my folks at Fuji Opera, and I'm sorry if it's a plug, but I have to salute them. Even if I wasn't involved, I, I would have been cheering them from the sidelines. Is deliberate curation of the culture. Do you get what I mean? Nobody else has put Fuji in Alliance Francais for five days. Never happened, right? Nobody else has put Fuji in Murio Kola. And Murio Kola is the HQ for Gen Z and youth culture. Nobody else has done that. Nobody else is putting pressure on the brands you know, to get involved. And you look at all of these brands, and I don't want to mention their name because, you know, I respect them a lot and, you know, I like what they do. But you see that you can tell what their target audience is, you know. And 
you have to convince them to invest in Fuji because the Fuji industry itself has not been able to present itself as a worthwhile endeavor. So it's like a catch 22 situation, right? So for Fuji to continue to be profitable, X, Y, and Z has to happen. For X, Y, and Z to happen, somebody needs to do A, B, and C. So like I said on the other pod that I listened to on the Chacha podcast, and I think I spoke about it on Twitter, um, Jason had to get involved in Tidal, right? Diddy had to do Revolt. Tyler yeah. Perry is doing BET. You have all of these guys that come from that culture. Yes, we are going to need investment from people that are outside of the culture, but people from that culture itself have to be able to invest their own time and their own resources into continue this genre that has created millionaires and I think at least one billionaire from it. So what are we doing? I was trying, I've been flirting with the idea of setting up a strictly Fuji music app because I don't think Fuji artists get a fair shake from what streaming services offer. You know, um, that's another conversation entirely. Who gets a fair shake? Who are the people that are actually earning a lot from all of the streaming services and all whatnot? But it's expensive to do, right? It's going to cost me, if I were to do it now, I shit you not, it's going to cost me about $70,000 a year for the first two or three years. And if it picks and we get, you know, VC investment, yes, we can now yeah. sell easy. But it's going to cost quarter of a million dollars, right? Who are the people pulling their resources together to make it happen, right? Uh, Who are the people investing in arenas, in venues, in... So every Fuji community has Sunday Jump. If you go anywhere right now, there's Fuji playing somewhere. Who are the people ensuring that it has the right representation, is on the right platforms, the way you're chasing Ashake all over the place, you're checking, chasing the next hot Fuji star, who are the people doing that? And I think it's a very important question that, you know, not just lovers of the genres, not just people like you and I that are cultural writers and cultural custodians as such, but people from that culture itself have to be invested in it. They have to get their shit together. And I, I think some of them want to. Perhaps they don't know how. I've had conversations with K1 and of recent, he just invested in some streaming, you know, it's huge streaming equipment and i think that's that's one of the um you know that's a step in the right direction i remember that as well one time when i was working with net engine and then we came to interview him i came to interview with us it was a brand that brought him because we were doing something anyway and he got in the studio i was like ah do you own this place? i'm no i'm not the owner i'm just the manager i was like ah but that means it's possible now what do you guys do and i gave him like a brief run i was like I can do this too as well. And I'm like, please do it. But that conversation is like five years ago. Do you understand? I don't have time to work with them on a daily basis to say, guys, you can do this, you can do that. But I'm hoping that at least the work that we ourselves at Fuji Opera have done, you know, will enable them to see that there's potential here. We can do this. And the next 10 years, we can compete with them, David Doe and Nashake and Whiskey and Brunner. Sorry, I talk too long when I'm excited. It's all good, boss. It's all good, boss. So I, I, I have my last question. You are a big hip-hop person. You have seen hip-hop mm -hmm. grow over the years from the KRS-One, from uh, Curtis Blow on the onset down to 
uh, the guys that we have right now that are saying a couple of stuff. 50 years, you know, down the line, and it's been crazy. Loads of, I'm sure there are a lot of stories that one will pick out, you know, the madness in the industry, of that part of the industry, hip-hop as it is, how it has changed over the years, Wu-Tang Clan, Naughty by Nature, yeah. till this point. What, what, I mean, what, what exactly do you think about, you know, hip-hop as a culture, you know, over these 50 years? And what's the state of hip-hop right now, at this moment, globally? So, I think hip-hop is the single most powerful cultural force this world has ever seen, right? It's been dominant. It's gone from the inner cities to the hall of the Supreme Court in the US to major arenas across the world to major platforms and has influenced people across the world. Again, you cannot remove hip-hop as much as our Afrobeats, you know, has Fuji, has all of these things. Is also heavily influenced by hip-hop music, right? And you can see it even to date, our biggest stars still want to move like hip-hop. You know, you see the jewelry, you see how they move. That's what hip-hop has done. Even me that I'm speaking with you will not be in this space if I didn't fall in love with hip-hop music. You know, I, I, I discovered Naughty by Nature and it kind of like blew my mind. And I knew that I wanted to know more of these things. And that's how I started, you know, getting involved in the culture, reading magazines, watching video cassettes. And when the opportunity came for me, so by the time I was going off to university, I knew I wanted to do something that was media related. And then I just found myself gravitating towards music, writing and all whatnot. I used to, you know, write out in pieces of paper and then punch it on my Nokia 3310i. And it's, that's that's how much hip hop has influenced me myself now, like right now. Now scale it up to across the world, right? So the most powerful force that the world has ever seen has influenced sports, basketball, NFL, the Olympics, World Cup, almost every yeah. single facet of contemporary times have been touched by hip hop, and that's how powerful it is. Right, and even now that you know, the music is is the music is of these times, right? So the war on drugs in the U.S., you know, in the eighties, that was sponsored by Iran Contra and the Reagan whatnot and all of that one, led to the crack era that birthed folks like Jay Nas and them that were selling crack as a way of life because their government was flooding, allegedly was flooding the streets with this you know, thing. Now, it's another pandemic like crack was. All of the scissor up and the lean and the molly and the purple sets. So these hip-hop guys, even guys of nowadays, they're not making shit up. It's the reality of the times that they live in. And again, if you listen to new music, I remember that I said that music itself serves as markers of history, right? So yeah. even yeah. these guys, when you listen to what they are saying, you can tell what they are what their reality is. Sometimes it's going to pain somebody because this um, mask of future sampled yeah. a, a song from the black movement. I think it was Selma. I think it's called Prison Song or something. Mm. You know, some, and you see that, see what future made with it. Yes, yeah, it's a nice song. But here what it's talking about, Marley Perkinson, Marley Perkinson. But that's a song of a struggle 
that you have made into this thing again is because that's what future knows do you understand yeah. so in as much as yeah, sometimes true. i want to look at it like fuck what all these cats are doing but again they are doing what's real to them they are doing what is contemporary to them and when all of us are long gone people after us will read those history books and say oh that's what happened they can trace it it might be hard for us to see now because we are living it in these present times but 10 years i mean we can look back at the 2000 mid early 2000s now you know with the benefits of hindsight and we can spot certain things that's how in 2030 people are going to look look at this era of hip-hop as well and pinpoint yeah this was what happened that's why they were sounding like this all right thank you very thank you very very much Wait, guy, you wanted to say something yeah that's about it i think we should wrap this up but i would also like us to i mean the women of the time um just to acknowledge them from waka to fuji and then to oh. the things that came uh batilia lake uh salawa beni do we have women that you would like to shout out to also hip-hop you know lauren hill um left eye <clears throat> Mr. Elliot and the likes as well. A couple of them, long names like um, MC Light, Queen Latifah. Are there names that uh, the Judy Taiwo would like to uh, pay respects to? Sorry, I didn't hear the last part of the question. Yeah. You wanted to ask me something else before. We just wanted to uh, acknowledge women in all the genres that we, mm. that we touched on. So, right. from Waka to Fuji to all the things that came after, are there women that you would like to? uh pay some acknowledgement to in, in the areas mm. of waka to fuji to you know the um off offsprings of the genres and hip-hop too all right um oof. so i'm thinking about it now has to be has to be salawa benny and before yeah. salawa benny has to be has to be Batilia Batilia Lake. Lake. yes you know has to be there was a lady that was singing juju that died earlier. decency, folks like that really, you know, held the torch for so long. Uh, you have yeah. to look at the likes of, you know, Yekan Wenu, Christian Kokwe, um, Evietna Ogoli, uh, mm. you know, folks from that era, hip hop. Mona Tina Woodway, African, you know, these are people yeah. that were cutting edge. You have to look at Fumi Adams. You have to look mm. at um ah what's this lady called venom uh, you get uh there's also what's her name now that song about which guy soup mama soup eh, okay i guess eh. you know these are people that were young you know they were yeah. really holding the torch you know down um queen latifah salt and pepper uh yeah, money love and vogue money love uh fluid lauren hill mc light mc light where them see eyes queen change yeah, absolutely left eye you know um i still feel like women have a really tough time cutting it in music i don't know why and i don't know why it's still that way now but i it's feel like it's, it's a patriarchy right it's a patriarchy. Yeah, it you know, I was I was I was saying it at, at my, my, my son's PT meeting earlier today. And then you know, men were getting you know a really yeah. tough time because yeah, they said that ah it's only there were only two men at the PT meeting where they do things mm. it's open day in school, men don't show up. And I'm like, look, men women are more likely to get time off for 
things of maternal nature than men are. Hmm. And I think that's still hmm. the patriarchy. Who says it's my wife that has to go and pick kids, right? But exactly. kind of, the world has kind of made it into that thing that it really isn't. I hope that it changes right. very soon. Um, right. Because again, talk to any hip hop artist, talk to any Fuji artist. We want to impress the women. All of these things that they have won't be shit if there wasn't women involved. Right. You know? So we have to ensure that you know they have the rightful place in the culture and support them to be all the, what they want to be and not be threatened and not be threatened by women's success. Men tend to get threatened by women's success a lot. A lot. Hmm. I, I mean, you say it in the music. You want women to be only be dancers. When who says they have to be dancers? You know. But I hope that change um, changes very rapidly because it has to, As we go it has on. to. yeah and uh, guys, just to, yeah just yes, to add before you I, I i'm actually working on something right now with boyega especially mm -hmm. for my check so i would really like for you to be a part of it as well i'm thinking about a four episode dedication tribute to the man himself that'd be massive that'd be massive yeah, yeah. shop me yeah, i'm so. here i'm, I'm here All right, All right. Right. renowned nigerian music historian the jide taiwo we really Thank you okay. so much for your time and for Gen your Z knowledge. like you guys. You're not just for all of us. All right, thank you so much, sir. Nah, we got thanks, man. Nelson, thanks, man. Yeah, I really enjoyed so my time talking with you guys. Um, yes, respect to you, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Shout out to your son and your wife. Nah, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. Sample Axis. We out. The Sample Axis, administered by Boyega and Nelson. Well, go on. I go by the name L-O-R-C-O-N, and you're listening yeah, to the Sample Axis podcast. Stay tuned. <laughs>